0: Wait, the title of my devotion tonight is actually it's the word. So I'm gonna say the word. That's one of the I feel like with us, eh, Trevin, Trevin's one of our seniors at Gateway Church. He is our uh, assistant production director here at Gateway Church. Um, type of man I want to be when I grow up. Um, everything to me, uh, Trevin. Love you like a dad. Um, anyways. I keep making comments. I have a great relationship with my dad. I don't know why I keep making comments like that. <laughs> Trevin made the uh, graphic for us, Trevin. You're the man. Love you, bro. The word, <laughs> if you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy. It was written by um, Paul to Timothy who was somebody that was he was Paul was a mentor to Timothy poured into him, invested in his ministry. And so he wrote letters to Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I'll read it one more time because it's short. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, these next couple of minutes during this devotion, God, I pray you speak through me. Um, God, help us all uh, to grow in our desire to get in your Word. Help us all to see the Word as more of a focus, more of a priority in our life. And God, do what only you can do in us. Father, we love you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So we live in a world today where people claim to be followers of Christ, which if you, especially in uh, the South, where we are, Um, if you ask, well, so you go, are you a Christian? They're like, yeah, but they don't act like it. Like, okay, you're a Christian. Sweet. It's a cultural Christianity. It's very similar. I took some classes when I was uh, in college. Um, I took some classes, and while I was there, one of the classes focused on, like, world religions, and was, like, in the Middle East, Um, people say, I'm a Muslim, but I'm a Christian. Which is crazy. They're, they say, I'm a Muslim because of my culture. I'm culturally a Muslim, but religion, I'm something else. I'm a Muslim, but I'm an atheist. Or I'm a Muslim, but I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Muslim, but I'm a Christian. We actually, um, we in our world, we do that too. We don't say I'm a Christian, but, but our actions provide the but. I'm a Christian, but I don't read the word. I'm a Christian, but I don't do what the word says. Culturally, I am a Christian, but um, for us, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people in today's world, they'll claim to be Christians. And I, if you probably know somebody like this, they say they're a Christian, but they only believe part of what the Bible says, Believe portions of scripture, especially the ones that are easier, are actually the ones, I, I'm going to believe that part, but not that part because it challenges me. It's important for us as believers, as people of Jesus, to really focus and look at the word and say, like, hey, you know, that is all of it, beginning in the middle parts, the hard parts, the easy parts, the good parts the part that challenges us, they're actually divinely inspired by God, too. My first point tonight in our devotion that, if, that I know in this passage, and when I do these devotions for future, um, for uh, uh, January when we meet again on the 14th, again, I've said the date like four times. Put in your calendar, January 14th. We're coming back. We're going to be in the overflow room. One more time, January 14th. Say January 14th. January 14th. Huh, Michaela, you're doing great. Not as good as Asher, but still, you're you're doing great. Asher, love you, bro. Kid Asher on Spotify, find him. Anyways, it's all inspired. So how we're going to do it is we're going to split up the scriptures and just dive deeper. What do they mean? And hopefully all of us, uh, we can leave understanding scripture a little bit better. Our first part of our passage says all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, So my first point is this is inspiration. Inspiration, in the same word for inspiration in, uh, in Greek for this text, because the New Testament was written in Greek. It, it's this. It's theopneustos. I'm not going to ask you to talk back and say that word. Theopneustos, though, which means this. Divinely breathed in, given by inspiration of God. What it means when it says it's inspired was God breathed and the words came. That The, the words that you find in the text... They're not written by men, but it's written by God. Men are holding the pen, but God's the one controlling them. Everything in the Bible, every part, is there for a specific reason and purpose. Uh, It's not from wisdom of men. It's not that a bunch of dudes came together and like, okay, that sounds good, that sounds good, that sounds good. There's all kinds of authors, 66 different books that come together to make it, and they all flow together. It comes from the wisdom of God. It is all divinely inspired. 1 Corinthians 2.13 kind of goes with that. It says this, Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Words taught by the Spirit. The words that are in the Bible even the ones that we don't quite understand. Who's ever read something in the Bible like, okay, cool. I have no idea what that means at all. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're so much smarter than me. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid, um, and so I heard the word all the time. Got um, kind of even to the point where, like, I would be like getting in trouble from my dad, and he would quote scripture like, "Spare the rod, spoil the child." Um, what? And then I get the rod wasn't spared. Um, the child wasn't spoiled. Um, so like there would be like quoting scripture as I'm getting grounded, as I'm getting, I'm getting spanked as a little kid, and scripture is being taught. Like it's everywhere. To the point, like at one point when I was living away from Jesus, um, I, got, I got drunk. I struggled with alcoholism a lot when I was away from God. I got drunk, um, and I was throwing up. Um, I would throw up with <laughs> my head up. I would quote scripture, and I would turn around, fall back asleep, throw up again, and then quote scripture. It's like, I can do all things through Like that. Legit. That is what happened. Um, that is how much of a pastor's kid I was. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it all the time. It was a part of the, of my life. I was around it. I heard it. But even then... I still, there was parts of scripture that I did not understand. And there's still now, I'm a pastor here at Gateway, went to college for um, pastoral ministry, took theology classes. I still don't get parts of it. Certain parts of the Bible it takes that you've got to do in-depth research. But even the parts that we don't get, they're inspired. Even the parts that we may disagree with and that challenge us and cause us higher and are against cultural norms, it's inspired. The word was breathed by God. Theopneustos, divinely breathed in, inspired by God. That he was the author and men just held the pen, inspired. My second thing is this, is scripture is profitable. Uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen. The next part says this: It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. In the Greek, profitable is othelimos, othelimos, which means this: helpful or serviceable, but advantageous. I mean, you have an advantage because of it. This portion of the passage is saying that we, as believers, because we have the Word, because of God's Word, we have an advantage. God gives us his word so that we can have an advantage in life. We're ahead of other people because we have God's word. He gave us his word so that we can have a moral compass. He gave us his word so that we can have the advantage of knowing what to do, what not to do. Um, I've learned that even people that do not Believe in Jesus, are not followers of Christ, but if they just do what the Bible says, they're morally going to be good people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It is a book of morals. We have an advantage because of this word. We have the advantage of life. We don't have to question what to do because God's got you. I was talking on last Wednesday night, one portion of my passage, or one portion of my sermon last Wednesday, when I was preaching to the middle schoolers and high schoolers, we're talking about God's will. Like, God, what is God's will for my life? And that's a question a lot of people deal with, a lot of people battle with, a lot of people struggle with. What does God want me to do? I ever, want, like, God, why am I here? What do you want me to do? Anybody ever dealt with that? Like, God, what am I here for? Sweet. Read the Bible. You'll find it. It's a pretty easy way to find it. You have the advantage. You get to know exactly what God wants for you. You got the advantage of that in the word. God's got you. 1 Timothy 4.8, For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. We have the advantage. We have the profit. We're, We're good and we're better. We have the advantage because now we do what the Bible says. We follow the teachings of Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We do what he says And we're good not just for this life, but the next life to come. We get to make it to heaven and do what he says. We get to be good. We're straight. We got it. Our relationship, we're good. And now I got the advantage of having right relationship with Jesus because I follow the word. And the last part of the passage is this, is uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says this, for training and righteousness. So my third point is this, is Training. Training. Training in Greek, the same word for this is this, is padeia. Padeia, the Greek word means this, means chastening, chastisement, instruction, or nurture. To chasten means to discipline or correct by punishment. I mentioned earlier, my son's not feeling too great. Um, Robbie, he is the greatest little boy in the world. He is, I believe he's kind of like the church mascot. That is, until next month, um, and then there's going to be a new church mascot. Um, Little Merritt is on her way. We love her. Um, Lee and Jenna are about to give birth to the cutest uh, baby in the church. She can take Robbie's place, and we got to talk about Myla, though. We got to, Myla and Merritt are going to have to fight who could be cuter, because let's be honest, Robbie's not cute. He's a man. He's a man. Uh, my mom was like, oh my God, he's so pretty. I'm like, Crystal. My mom's name is Crystal. I didn't call her the wrong name. I was like, Crystal, he doesn't have a pretty bone in his body. I was like, he is mean and ugly. He's got hair on his chest. He doesn't actually, but like I tell that to my mom. I'm like, he's not pretty at all. She's like, well, he's got pretty eyes. I'm like, okay. You got me there. He has beautiful eyes. But other than that, he's He's not a pretty bone in his body. He's a man. I was like he's more of a man than me. But he, the greatest kid in the world, in my opinion. Um, there are times, as his dad, that I have to um, discipline him and get on to him. And my dad would tell me when I was a little boy, and he would uh, get on to me. He would ground me. He would spank me. He would, he would tell me like, Rob, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And then he would do it and then I would cry and then he would cry. And my dad, if you've never met him, he looks like me, but like taller and like more like manly. (laughs) He really like he's built like a gorilla. And especially like before he was grandpa, you know, before he was Papo, he was more scary. Um, now he's starting to look like Santa because his beard is turning white. Um, yeah, he's like a brown Santa Claus because he's really tan um, and he's like, like the beard, but he's not as holly and jolly towards me um, as he is to the other ones. He's great, but when I was a kid, it was scary. People would ask me or like ask me like, hey, so what do you do for a living? And he would always say, guess. And people would get scared like, oh, I think he might be in the mafia because he's, he always wore suits that were really nice. And he looked, like, and he was big. He looked like a mafia enforcer. He was like intimidating. Um, and so he would get on to me, he disciplined discipline me, he would spank me, and I was like six, and I'm crying, and I look at him, and he's crying. And I would say, hey, what if we cut out this thing that makes us cry, let's just stop. You're better, I'm better, nobody, like, you don't like to cry, I don't like to cry, let's just cut out the middle part, we're good. He did not agree. <laughs> now as a dad, I get it. Robbie, my son, great kid. Stubborn as all get out. For those of you who know Robbie, you would agree. He is stubborn. Michaela babysits him a lot. I'm sorry. He's stubborn. <laughs> He's got, the, we got this new couch at the house. You haven't been to the house since we've gotten the new couch. I'm sorry. She's she's babysitting him tomorrow. I'm sorry. Because with the new couch, it takes up a lot of room. And he likes to climb on top of the couch and run on the couch and jump on the couch. And he say, no, no, you sit him down. Don't do that. You sit him down. He laughs. Climb back on the couch. I hit him with the dad voice. You know the dad voice. I hit him with the dad voice. And he cries. I sit down. I turn away. I look back, and he hits me with the most devilish, evil smirk in the world, like Flynn Rider from Tangled. You know what I'm talking? He's got it. And then he climbs back on the couch, holding the top of the couch to play with the blinds. Looks at me, smirks. I say, "No, no." He sits down, then he does it again. Then he moves, he sneaks it because like there's armrests on the couch. He sits on the armrest and he looks at me. Like it's because it's not breaking the rules because he's still sitting, but it's a little bit higher. Then he looks at me again and like hits me with the smirk. And if you know Robbie, you know the smirk. And he starts to turn around. He's still sitting. He starts to take notes because this is like literally you in 24 hours. He sits, he smirks, he turns. He turns away a little bit more. I turn around for half a second, knowing what he's going to do. He stands up, looks back. I'm like, no, no. So I grab him and I spank his butt. He's like, (laughs) ah!
1: Like, you should have warned
0: me this was going to (laughs) happen. He gets so mad. I'm like, the reason why I do it is not because standing on the couch isn't fun. Standing on the couch is fun. Can you imagine, if I was standing on a couch, I'd be nine feet tall. That's fun! I'm tall, but I've never been able to dunk. I can dunk if I'm standing on the couch, because I only got to reach up one more foot. And with this, I'm 12 feet tall, I can dunk, no questions asked. Obviously, standing on the couch is fun. But if you fall off the couch, you break your arm. I know because it happened to me when I was five. I fell and my arm had a second elbow right here. It was flopping. And I woke up the gorilla mafia man. I said, hey, I need to go to the doctor. He said, I think you're right. So we go to the doctor. I don't want him to break his arm. And I have to discipline him and spank him and say, no, 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 don't do that. But I do it not because I don't want him to have fun, but I do it because I care about him. And our, the, uh, so padea, training, chastening, chastisement, instruction, but it also means nurture. And if the word is hard and it's chastisement and it's difficult at times and it disciplines us, but you do it and God put it in there because he wants to nurture us, because he loves us. I do it I spank his butt when he does the same thing on the coffee table. Don't look at me, Keith. Keith hung out at my house last night. And we were doing, um, what was it called, karaoke. Hannah and I were, Keith was just watching. If you ever have Keith over to your house for karaoke, please encourage him. Because he just sat there when we did it. (laughs) Hannah stood. I, like, put on a show. Hannah sang beautifully. I rapped songs, not as good as Kid Asher, on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, you find him, it's great, look him up. Um, I I didn't even know you were here, Asher, that's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, so um, I get being on the coffee, last night when I was performing for Keith and Hannah, (laughs) at one point I got on top of the coffee table and I get it, it's awesome. But the reason why I tell him no is because I don't want him to get hurt. I do it, I discipline him, I chastise him, I instruct him, I do it because I love him. The same Greek word for training and chastisement is also nurture. God's word isn't just there to beat us up. And I, growing up, I heard a lot of preachers that used God's word to beat people up. Like, hey, God, hate, bless you. Youngest young adult in the world, you're incredible. Um, use God's word to beat people up. To like, hey, God hates you, God hates you. Like, no, God doesn't hate you. But they use the word in a non-nurturing way. The word is meant to nurture us, to train us, to make us better. It's not meant to just punish us, just like as a father. It's not just my job to punish my son. It's also my job to play with Hot Wheels and make the sound with the wheels on the bus, coca toy. That's my job. But with nurturing also comes disciplining. And because I love him, I train him. And I nurture him and I discipline him. God's word does that because he loves us. My last, um, my last uh, scripture for the night is this Colossians 3 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If you don't read the Bible, read the Bible. If you don't put it in your heart, do it. Do your best to read God's word. Because if you love Jesus, and you claim to be a Christian, which I think if you come on a Friday night to the church, you probably love Jesus. You're probably a Christian. I'm preaching and talking and doing a devotion with fellow believers. Get in his word. Because his word will train you. It'll make you more like him. And there's parts of it that are hard that we may not quite understand yet, but all of it is God-breathed. All of it is inspired. All of it is meant to make us better. All of it is gonna give us an advantage in life. And all of it, the parts that we consider good, the parts that are hard, all of it is there so that we can be nurtured and trained to be more like him. Read the word, get plugged in to the word, because it is your weapon, but it also is the thing that nurtures you, that grows you, that makes you better. So if you're not reading the word like you should, let me encourage you, get in the word. I need to get better at it too. I think we all can agree that I I wanna read the word more and I wanna get more involved with the word. So get in the word, get plugged in, read it. It's living, it's breathing, get in it and watch how God inspires you, trains you. Life has more of an advantage, life is better